Jason Kamisa thought that. He took it onto a go-kart course. The go-kart course guy is like, there's no chance you can handle this truck on this course. He started doing it. He destroyed an actual go-kart on a go, <laughs> taking every corner. And he's like, he's like, the learning curve was like instant. He's like, I thought it would take long to feel this difference. So those are two things. The 40 volt and the steer by wire are two things that the car industry has been talking about for decades. Cybertruck did it. This car, if it was just the shape that it came out in, would have been mind-blowing. But they actually, as a vehicle, because they constructed it from first principles and the beginning, they are another 10 years ahead of the car industry. It's insane. It's actually insane. Uh, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. You've got Trung and Bilal here. Unfortunately, Jack is not able to make it at the moment. He said he will try his best uh, to jump in if he can, but let's assume he might not be able to make it today. Um, Trung, what's going on, mate? Big, big week. Lots well, going on. Well, shout out to our boy, Michael Brandt, who's been on the Creator Lab there podcast. There we go. Yeah, my HVMN. boy. I, see, I met him in person too. Yeah. Oh, you met you met Mike. Uh, I know he listens to this pod, but... Yeah, he's I was a big just, NI listener. He was on uh, LinkedIn uh, uh, posting about his morning routine. It included these ketone IQs. I'm like, bro, yeah, that yeah. looks sick. You got to send he's it. Like, send it through. He's like, I got you, brother. So there we go. You, I know there's been running jokes about the energy levels of Trung's energy levels. <laughs> I have a feeling they're going to be through the roof because I've been I've been hitting this up, Michael, if you're, you're listening. These have been good, man. They actually yeah, I, got, I was legit going to send him a text sharing a screenshot of my friend saying... This, Hit these? Uh, no, no, no. Remember my one of my friends had said after that one episode, you were on fire, I think a couple of weeks ago about the workout. Oh, yeah. And we were, none of this is sponsored, yeah? Like, obviously... But uh, yeah, I was going to text and be like, look, man, there's an opportunity here for a sponsorship. So, Bra- Michael, we're gonna sh- I'm going to send him a text after I this. I got to say, so. though, here's the thing. I'm not speaking to, to uh, this particular yeah, product, yeah, yeah. but I've done ketones in the past. Yeah. And actually, I'll tell you the, what I do like about this. Previous ketone products have given me the craziest runs in my oh, life. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a classic. Like, this yeah, actually yeah. hasn't been hitting like the runs that hard. That's um, good to know. Yeah, it tastes much better than <laughs> a, the that's original version know. was really bad. I mean, not just theirs in general. And they've done a good job of making it Yeah, because I used to palatable. do, do you do the Bulletproof coffee stuff? I, that was the first Back time I ever did day, ketones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the that keto dude, days, yeah. Bro, you get that would hit going. the John oh, for yeah. like, like <laughs> two minutes after you finished that thing. So I got to say- Were you putting like MCT oil in it or what were you doing? Yeah, I don't know what, whatever Bulletproof Coffee was doing. Yeah, yeah, because they I put ghee, I think, and, and oh, yeah, MCT yeah. It oil was or something ghee, right? like that. But uh, basically this, and yeah, it's real not quick. Not sponsored. But, yeah, not sponsored, but this is basically the pure version. So it's like MCTs, med- I think it's medium chain triglyceride. Tri- I can't even say that word. Medium chain triglycerides. Uh, I think they're the things that, they, th- this basically is the pure version. That stuff will kind of convert into this from my understanding. But okay. I could be completely wrong. Not medical, not coffee advice not, here. So. Well, Michael will know. He's the CEO. He knows more. So He's a smart guy. Us. Yeah, he knows his correct stuff. Correct us. Yeah, Tell and I'll say, if you want to know, me why and Michael had a runs? good hour <laughs> chat on Crater Lab. He explains the whole, the whole science behind it, why people use it. The interesting thing is, I think, um, like a lot of endurance athletes use it. So yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's uh, energy, yeah, anyway. Right? It's energy. It's energy, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, let's talk about what we're chatting about today. Cybertruck going down. Obviously, I mean, this stuff looks insane. So I want to get your take on that. Elon versus the media. He's been popping off. 
Uh, like I mean, this has a, been going. It's so funny that you said that because it's been like nonstop man. for like a two years. Oh yeah, uh, but insane. It, it obviously went nuts. Oh, Raffle will probably have to cut it in. Like when he told the Andrew Ross Sorkin that people don't want to advertise on X can go. You know. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I, I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't advertise. But yeah, and then we've got obviously we got to pay homage to yeah. our boy Charlie Munger, R.I.P. Uh, the Fred Boy's peace. favorite, but obviously for a reason because he's a legend, truly a legend. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he died ninety nine years old. Was it? Yep. And then what because we like life. to wow. we like to segue into topical topics. Henry Kissinger, controversial U.S. statesman, died the day after Charlie Munger. Here we Did go. not get as much love on the timeline. I can tell Definitely you that right not. now. Definitely not. And we will so, discuss uh, the two yeah. sides of Kissinger. So I'll, I'll tell you just briefly. I text my dad right away. He's like, yo, did you hear about Henry Kissinger? Because my dad's got strong feelings. So we'll, we'll relay <laughs> those feelings. Vietnamese fan. Yeah. Senior. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll get so, right, right into we'll, it. we'll cover that. But yeah, so before we do that, before we talk about Cybertruck, because it is really impressive what it looks like, I just want to ask you because obviously a lot of people following the show are following the Bitcoin price heavy. They're following the ETH price heavy. Have you been getting those dormant group chats starting to come alive? Because I got a message literally just 20 minutes before this. And it was one that's been quiet for two years. And it was like, are we going to do a dinner soon? What's been happening here? And I'm like, oh, man, this is so funny. This is like, you got to add that into the graph. You know, like when you're trying to see where things are going, you start see start seeing things heat up. And are you are you feeling that yet? What, where are you at on well, the Well, I got to tell you, the most group chat, I, I love, so for listeners, Bilal was teeing that up before this call. And I laughed so hard because... I knew exactly what he was saying, and it's hysterical. Like these dormant group chats where everybody's poor for the last two years because their <laughs> bags are all crypto. They don't want to tell. They're just depressed. And then everything's pumping again. Uh, as Jack was joking last week, Big Larry, Big Larry thinks of bags. What's going on here? Not investment advice. I saw that. Did you see uh, the clip that Rafa pulled? He put on Instagram and TikTok and stuff. And the, the comments, people will be like, commenting already on that stuff because they know they know that there's something there man so uh but not investment advice yo but no, the other thing no, i was gonna say, say sailor is up heavy 1.7 oh, billion up. yeah well dude he's been he's been saying what's his holding period forever you're talking about charlie munger <laughs> what is you talking about charlie mungerism oh my what God. has sailor been saying my holding period is forever that's I love that. I love Munger. that comparison because obviously Charlie well, Munger, Munger is not crypto. a fan. Yeah, yeah, he's not a fan he of crypto or Bitcoin. But so, you know, you can use the tactics of the old in the new economy too. So I think uh, that you know, I can't think of two very different people than Sailor and well, Charlie Munger, but maybe they're the same in a way. So the uh, Charlie Munger uh, did a uh, so they re-released Poor Charlie's Almanac, yeah. which was named after Benjamin Frank. Poor. Benjamin 
so old neck from Benjamin Franklin, the late 1700s. This is a book of wisdoms and sayings. Stripe Press released that this morning, so Tuesday morning, they recorded, they released a recording and John Collison, the co-founder of Stripe, uh, brother of Patrick Collison, uh, they released a conversation he had with Charlie Munger uh, before Charlie died. So this will probably be the last official podcast. Um, I'll rest in peace again to Charlie Munger. But there's a long segment where, man, not long, but five minutes where John Collison's pressing Munger. Like not really pressing, asking him about crypto. Oh, He's really? like okay. steel manning crypto, John is. Because I believe is this he, on the Invest Like the Best? Did they release? Yeah, it they posted on the Invest yeah, Like yeah. the Best uh, feed. So, anyways, go listen to that. Uh, my our boy David Senra, fan of the podcast, founders podcast guy. He's the one woke up this morning, sent me. He's like, dude, you gotta listen to this. I've already listened four times. I went, bro, <laughs> four times. How did you already listen to this thing four times? <laughs> is he listening on forex speed? And he just completes I don't know it why. in one. He I just mean, dropped a two-hour pod that I'm gonna listen I know, to because he had dinner with him, right? I, I remember listening. Yeah, he to had that dinner episode. a couple months Incredible. ago, but this separately, he's doing it. Anyways, TLDR uh, to answer Bilal's original question. The only group chat that's really been blown up since crypto has been pumping again was our group chat with Jack sending the memes. So hysterical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah. Jack's been on good form there. Anyway, so let's, we're going to, so just to let people know, we are going to talk about manga. We're going to be talking about psychological tendencies. Could be a Twitter boy thread, but we're going to try to make it as as a, not a complete thread boy thread, a verbal thread, no, but like, it's going to be... Good we stuff. don't even have to do the psychological. Uh, what, what we should do actually is talk a bit more about his life, uh, because people yeah. actually don't know as much about his life. Um, that and you can listen to all the podcasts we talked about. Anyways, that yeah. and then uh, a Big Daddy Kissinger. That's it. Ooh, all right, so let's let's get on to Cybertruck first. So I, you shared an amazing video. We can share it in the show notes if we like. Jason Kamisa. Uh, amazing. Yeah, Jason, man, the inc- the quality on this video is insane, right? Like Dude. this is next level production. But essentially, it's a review of the Cybertruck that's just been... So what, what's the status of this? Because I, I, I skimmed through the video because you shared it last night. I was walking in the park this morning, jumping ahead, you know, how, how I was doing. But so yeah, tell me about this, it. Like, if, you, if you've been following the Cybertruck and you just want the quick TLDR, watch Marquez Brownlee's video. So only like two oh, or yeah. three people got uh, under embargo. The, like, they got the trucks for multiple days. It was like Marquez and Jason Camissa, and uh, which is the video I gave you. That was a, that was for Hagerty, which is like I believe a, a a vehicle review site or something to do a vehicle media property. Anyways, last week uh, Tesla released a Cybertruck. I'll I'll walk you through it. So it's been four years in the making. Uh, here is the origin story. You'll remember parts of it, right? So the the origin origin story, the myth of it was that one of Elon's kid was like. Man, like, how come cars like don't look like futuristic cars? Like the truck, like the Ford F one, uh, the Ford F series, as we've talked about here, the Ford F one fifty is the best selling car in America for the past 30, 40 years. Everyone has seen that bad boy, right? It's iconic, but that car has been the the body and the frame the exact same for the past seventy years. Yeah, like we stripped down a twenty twenty three F one fifty and a nineteen like forty nine F one uh, F series, identical. The pickup truck hasn't changed. Hey, looks like it hasn't really mattered, right? That best-selling car. But Elon's son, according to this legend, asked him, one of his kids is like, hey, can, can what's going on here? So Elon's like, went to his head of design at Tesla. Uh, I forgot his name, man. He's a legend, but he uh, 
he, Elon's just like, well, what ideas can we do? And they're like, we'll do a stainless, we'll do a car based on stainless steel. Let's start with the material first. We're building a pickup truck from scratch. Let's start with the material. So they go stainless steel, right? What that does is this. You don't need like the interiors and the body anymore because stainless steel, they, it's called hard fucking steel. That's what, it's a patented type of alloy. It's so strong that it becomes the frame of the vehicle. Like for most cars, there's an actual metallic frame, like hard steel frame. And then you put like light aluminum around it. But because the uh, alloy that Tesla created, which is also used on SpaceX rockets, right? So like That's this wild, is like yeah. next level metal alloys. It's so strong. Like you've seen the videos, right? Bulletproof, sledgehammer proof. Like but they, they were this, shooting on it. They were shooting the car. Like yeah, they put a yeah, Tommy gun on it, a nine millimeter. You're probably wondering why do you need this? And like it's just end up in like paramilitaries. The, like the that's best, a joke. No, but also just the best marketing in the world, right? Like talk about. Oh like, my goodness! I mean, it's just the, the visual of that, like shooting a car and you're good. It's just everything. Like well, I'd love to get. Well, let Jack's me address a couple this, of things. But, yeah, yeah that's on. why I was like, that's why I was a little sad. Jack wasn't here because because he's the I car would guy love and Jack brand to be guy. Like yeah, yeah I wanted him to. I know what he, like, we've talked about him on the brand. He's like, the counter positioning is incredible. Every pickup truck looks the same. This is just so different. It's so polarizing, but that's the point, right? It, that's the entire point. The, there's so many things we'll get into, but the counter positioning is one. But I will address a lot of criticisms about the stainless steel body. So I'll throw it to you, a couple of criticisms. I'd like your thoughts about the stainless steel. So let me finish the stainless steel uh, thought is being... They built it from the outside in, basically, which is actually what happened to the DeLorean, which was the failed car from Back to the Future. It was like, let's build it externally and worry, uh, and make it from the outside in. It's a totally different look, right? So when you have stainless steel, you can have this triangular look. There's no curves on the Cybertruck. And then, so here's criticism one, a lot of sharp edges, right? So that's that's something that people are concerned about. And by the way, Rafa, if for people who haven't seen it, we should which I'm yeah. sure most people have, but let's up. make sure we've thrown that on the screen because yeah. it's, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, we, I want to get think, your take on how beautiful it is or not, but it's a very unique looking car either way, right? Like it's I really out. want one. My wife yeah, said there's I, it no looks chance. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, because we'll you've had to take your kid well, to school all, in that, bro. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I think I will get one in the next five years, five to 10 years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the other thing that's really interesting is from the Marquez Brownlee uh, uh, interview. And one reason it took four years for them to create I remember that when they launched it, the, the very viral moment, when they threw the baseball into the glass, it's supposed to be like Gorilla Glass and did break, but it broke. It shattered the glass, right? Yeah. The reason they shattered that glass four years ago on stage was because they were testing it backstage. So they were the integrity of the glass was getting ruined uh, yeah, so yeah, much, yeah. right? Uh, but back to the stainless steel. So Marcus Brownlee, really, super interesting. He goes, so that metal is so strong, the stainless steel metal, that... The way it's pressed is you have this insane, like 10,000 ton press, right? And the problem is that that type of steel, when you press it, it bounces back into shape. It's like you have to hit it so hard that the, it, the way it molds is it bounces back, but you can't actually control that bounce back to 100% precision. So I don't think any two Cybertrucks will be exactly the same. Like there will be millimeters differences in the actual shape of that front piece because of how hard that difficult it is to control the bounce back of pressing it. So that's part two of the stainless steel. Part one, sharp edges. Part two was not every single one will be exactly the same. 
Although I'm guessing Tesla will get to a point where they're going to figure that out. The third thing is, what is the problem with stainless steel? On, go to your fridge. Man, you touch it. Your fingerprints are everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, those are the the main criticisms about the metal. So I'm going to throw it to you. I would love the, So I'd love your take on what you think about them designing from the outside in using metal first and then uh, about the stainless steel, what your concerns would be and if you would ever get one. Yeah, I, I, the funny thing is out of us three, I'm probably the least, um, I'm the, the worst person to ask about is because I literally don't own a car. I pretty much not bought a car in my adult life except like once with basically we were getting one for my mom, but that doesn't really count. It's what like, was it? What was it? It was like a Mercedes A-Class, like a small, the small car. Okay. But I, entry, and I drove entry. it entry level. Yeah, it was like the smaller car. We had the big one for the dad, you know, and then mom had to get an upgrade. But um, yeah, so I basically not, I don't drive, right? Like, so it's, I'm not the best person to ask. I'm not actually, I don't even know that much about cars. I'm, I'm pretty bad with, with cars. But just from the outside, as an amateur, I think it looks sick. Like, I personally like the look of it. Uh, and it's just more how different it looks. It just looks like it's from the future. Uh, but I can imagine it's very, you know, a lot of people might not like it because it's like, what the hell is this sort of vibe? Um, whereas like the regular Teslas looked kind of futuristic, but they didn't look like this, right? Like this is completely different to what else is out there. Um, but I remember when they when they launched it, how long ago was this where they did the pre-sale? 2019. Because that so was the pre-sale, right? That they was had a mil, over a million people, almost I think two million, do a hundred dollar deposit. So two hundred million. Which is crazy if you think. So yeah, yeah how how much was that? Two hundred million. It's interest-free loan essentially. Isn't that crazy, right? Like yeah. that is crazy that you've got two hundred million now. You can go and actually make those things. Use Just that R&D, to go and make it. Yeah, it's crazy. And well, they did it for every car. They did it for the Roadster. They did it for yeah. the Model Three. Yeah. Also, the lock-in, like there's a the psychological lock-in, like people who've studied like pricing and, and stuff like that yep. will know, like just getting essentially. I think of your your e-commerce brand where they where they get you to do like the athletic. They like oh, just one dollar a month. Like so, you got your credit card details there. You're locked in. You get to use something, and it's very there's the friction of like canceling that. Yeah, even obviously a hundred dollars to thousands. Imagine you're thousands 1, is in line, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna cancel this hundred exactly. bucks. Like, you know what it's mean? that sunk cost fallacy a little hey, bit. There, you nailed you know? it, so, dude. So once you're in, you're not really trying to. You're not. You're like, all right, you've built this image in your head. So I'm sure plenty of people won't actually follow through with it, but it's just an incredibly smart move. I don't know if other other car manufacturers have done that before at that level, but this is this was next level anyway. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I don't have much more to add apart from I think it looks cool. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited to kind of like see one in person because I haven't seen one obviously in person yet. Did so. you see the matte black? No. Oh, oh no. What, oh, what do you mean? Uh, what the I color? It, you mean? It, I think, yeah, it costs $5,000, but they'll matte black it for you. Um, oh, that was well, nice. I think it's a vine. I can't remember what it was. Let me, but let me pull it up right now. Let me yeah. throw some prices out here, right? So. The one they're selling first is the, uh, I believe it's called the triple, this has three, it has three battery, main battery engine. I can't remember what it was. Uh, three battery. Anyways, three motors or whatever it is. The top line is hundred K. So I'll go down about 60. Uh, uh, this is why we need a Jack here to like, correct me. But dude, this is the main takeaway I'd add though. So everything I just told you is this is the main point Jason Kamisa made from his amazing, like you said, the production on that, uh, the Hagerty review, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, he yeah, says, yeah. he says they typically spend four weeks on a video, but they only had 48 hours for this. It's unbelievable. 
So here's it's a couple like a, a TV show would spend a month doing that. Yeah, right? like it's, it's so crazy. Unbelievable. How good well, it here's was. a couple of things I'll say. These are, I mean, this is mind blowing. Everything we described. This is what Jason Kamisa said. And he's not even he's not even a Tesla fanboy. Like he even so he did a podcast afterwards for the Carmudgeon podcast. Uh, we should actually add that because uh, these two things are very uh, eye opening. Here's what he said. He's like, if Cybertruck only did everything we just discussed, they actually were shipping, which they started doing. They started shipping uh, these vehicles, the Cybertruck. I saw uh, Alexis Sohanian, a founder, co-founder of Reddit, uh, married to Serena Williams. I saw him pick up his first uh, Cybertruck, actually. He posted that awesome video. Uh, but um, Jason Kamisa goes, if all Tesla did was this, they would have delivered on that 2019 promise. Different looking car. But under the hood is actually insane. So there's a couple of like pretty technical concepts here that I'm going to butcher, but I'm going to walk through them. Uh, there's two main ones. The first main one is called 48 volts. And what that alludes to is the fact that for the past two decades, the car industry has been working on like this basically 12 volt standard. And all you need to know about 12 and 48 volts is 48 volts is clearly more than 12, right? Just know that's a lot more electricity, right? And the reasons why this matters is because think about how much electricity wiring you needed in a car in 1970. What did you need it for? Your radio, right? Or maybe that yeah. little, remember that cigarette button where you push oh, it in yeah. and it hit that classic cigarette. But what did you need electricity for 50 years ago in a car? Nothing. Yeah, not much. Yeah. What do you need it for now? Everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? That Software, little iPad that's posted up in the car. That iPad that's on your thing, yeah. right? Everything requires electricity now. Me the, like even the, 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 the seats moving back and stuff, I'm assuming is always you just nailed electricity, it. right? Dude, keep walking it through. Think through it, right? Because before <laughs> it was mechanical. So, and even the windows, like before you'd have the windows rolling and now you, you I mean, it. that was a long time ago. No, but you're nailing it, it right? Yeah. You're thinking through everything that requires a little bit of electricity to, uh, to move things around, to run things, right? It's exploded. It's exponential now because you know the idea that a, a basically a car like the Tesla, they say, is, a, is an iPhone on wheels, right? So the, the electricity requirements are significant. That also means the wiring requirements are significant. Wiring is very expensive. It's manually expensive to do in a car. So for ages, by ages I mean past decade or two, car companies have been trying to move to a 48-volt standard. 48 volt is basically what all the national transportation industries decide is as safe as you can get because it's a lot of electricity. It's a lot of electrical power running through these wires, but they're like, you know what? This is, this is as much as we will allow. But what that does though is if you have a lot more electrical power or the, the power level, you need less wires because uh, power loss happens from wire, right? The longer you'd run electricity across a wire, you're going to lose power along the way. But if you have 48 volts versus 12 volts, you require less wiring. And I think the number they say is like, if you move to a 48 volt standard, you will need 70% less copper and 50% less wires. That's huge savings on labor. And you see where I'm going with this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the problem. Why hasn't traditional car industries gone to that? Bilal, what is a car manufacturer at the end of the day? They, an, an original electronic manufacturers, OME, they're relying on thousands of suppliers right yeah different parts yeah how it's not is that vertically integrated you mean right but tesla is vertically integrated yeah you see where i'm taking this yeah 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 
So the problem of going 48 uh, volt standard is not no single supplier is incentivized to do this, right? They're incentivized to work off the existing system because they won't get all the benefits if they go to 48 volt. Tesla will accrue all the benefits if it goes to 48 volts, which is what it did. So for the Cybertruck, it went 48 volt. That means it has 70% less copper, uh, all things equal, 50% less wiring. And that means the weight of its car. So versus a Hummer EV, it weighs 2,600 pounds less. But the Hummer v v EV also has a giant battery. Do you know what that is, battery. that percentage-wise? Uh, like roughly, like, is it? I think it's 20 to 30% less. But also yeah. the, the Hummer, to be fair, Hummer has a much bigger battery, so it has better yeah, range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the top range for these uh, Cybertrucks is 300 miles, which is not, like, crazy good. Of, like, they expected 500 miles. So, like, the other criticisms about Cybertruck was 2019. They're saying it'd be 20,000 20, cheaper and also uh, more range. But you'll get there, right? So the main thing is, so I told you everything about the 48 volt. So huge step up. And a lot of the smartest people I've seen commentate on this, there's, there's a criticism about 40 volt is that there'll probably be a lot of recalls. But if you're buying a $100,000 Cybertruck, you kind of know that you're buying a next gen car, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and like, there's this By thought way, are that people they might- getting these right? You said Alexis Hanyan is picking this up. He's already picked yeah, this up Yeah, they're picking, in people are picking it up. Yeah. So is it just like rolling out? So like, we're going to start seeing them on the road. <clears throat> you're going to start seeing them on the road. There, my, uh, while we were talking, I've been looking at tesla.com forward slash Cybertruck. And I mean, we could put it on the screen, but man, this website is so beautifully made. It's so, it's like, the so imagery well done, right? So I mean, in fact, I'm just going to share it on my screen yeah, right sure. now because while Pull we're discussing it, you could keep saying what you're saying. Yeah, but so man, I'll talk through a couple of things. Second thing. So, yeah, Bilal, think about the 48, uh, 11,000 pound towing capacity, which is basically on par with the F 150s. The, 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 the bed. Uh, is also on par. This is hilarious, right? The stainless steel, they're yeah. smashing it with a uh, sledgehammer. But blah, let me go back to what I was saying about um, uh, Jason Kamisa. Yeah. So if you actually watch his review, he doesn't talk about a single thing related to towing or construction, which you'd think would be the main audience for this vehicle, right? But the reality is that that's not the main audience. The main audience for the Cybertruck is kind of what you said. It's people that want this insanely futuristic yeah. but here's the thing i think there is a world where the construction industry contractors make sense though right because first of all the stainless steel uh it doesn't get dinged and everything because i mean you're f350 you're in a parking lot you're getting dinged left right and center right yeah. and uh and the other thing is like because you can run battery equipment straight in from the 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 cyber truck so you're running all your equipment from the cyber truck but here's the other thing this is perhaps the biggest leap forward. I mentioned the 48-volt standard. Here's where that is really applied. So the cyber truck uses something called steer-by-wire. It is the first mass-produced car that does not have a physical connection between the steering wheel and the front wheels. I want you to think about that for a second. There is no physical connection between the steering wheel and the front wheel. It's all sensors and software. Really? Okay. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I know so that. So what happens scary. when you turn? So wait, wait. When you make a turn left, what what's happening with that? What signal is it? The back? The what back? There's wheel? a sensor. Yeah. No. No. It's there's there's three sensors. It and they basically all coordinate via software to decide. They're Jeez. gonna read your turn, 
and decide but what is decide. the best between oh, the rear wow. and the front. Okay. okay, I know the the obvious criticism. So I actually posted a video from Jason Kamis's video online. Elon reposted that, so shout out to that. I got a lot of there we got, go. a lot, got a lot of hype from that. So your thought, the first thought, and I saw it. So I had to mute my tweet because of the yeah. Elon haters. They're like, yeah. oh, we're gonna trust Elon this software, but these idiots didn't watch the video. By wire, which means you don't have a direct connection between the steering mechanism and the uh, whatever you're trying to turn, that's been on commercial planes for 25 years. Fly by, uh, 35 years actually, 35 years. 1988 commercial jets started using fly-by wire, which means that cockpit steering uh, device was not connected to the rudders in the back. So they've been doing this for over three decades. Th a throttle by wire has been in cars since BMW launched in 1988. So by wire technology where you don't have to have di that direct uh, connection has connection, been working yeah. over three decades. So but no well, car has done that, I take it. No mass production car. Lexus is working on it. Everybody's moving towards it. And the reason is this. Because when you have a direct connection, here's the thing. You know when you're turning, you have to do the hand. Uh, people aren't watching, listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're turning as much radius as Multiple you Multiple turns, yeah. You're putting the hand over, right? But in in steer by wire they already know what you want so you're kind of you're doing this you don't you're need doing to do like this a anymore. slight nudge for people yeah, only listening and it, versus, and it, and, yeah. but basically what it does is your turning radius is insane the handling mm. is insane so it's so gonna jason, take a little getting used to that's that's the jason commissa thought that he took it onto a go-kart go course the go-kart course guy is like there's no chance you can handle this truck on this course he started doing it he destroyed an actual go-kart on a go, <laughs> taking every corner. And he's like, he's like the learning curve was like instant. He's like, I thought it would take long to feel this difference. So those are two things. The 40 volt and the steer by wire are two things that the car industry has been talking about for decades. Cybertruck did it. All right. So what I'm trying to say is this. Let me sum up my Cybertruck thoughts with this. I actually, I, I, there's a world, there's two worlds where it's going to happen. They're going to mass produce it, but I think there's going to be a lot of like mass production difficulties for the, uh, because of how difficult the steel is to work with. I think that there might be holding back supply. That's fine. They have a massive wait list, but the, the comparison is a model X. The model X had the member of the wing doors, the doors that opened up funny. Um, I think the, the gold wing doors. Elon said if he knew how difficult those going doors were to manufacture, he never would have done it. But he did it. Uh, the Model X, though, sells a fraction of the Model Y, which is the uh, which is basically the SUV, the mini, the the sub SUV for which is now the best selling car in the world, by the way. So the Model Y, maybe Toyota Corolla, but in recent quarters, the Model when Y has the, been the best. Sorry, when you said the best selling car, you mean in terms period, of volume or, or revenue? Period, what? Volume. Number of cars sold. Really? This is, I'm talking. That's wild. It's insane. I also love so, how you still got the ketones in your hand. Yeah, I'm holding there. it, but I already finished <laughs> it. Thanks for the shot. Mike. So what I'm saying is this. I think that the Cybertruck will probably be more like the Model X. As in, they're going to use it. They'll have people that love it. Uh, it'll be less volume than like these more traditional looking ones, like the 3, which I have, or the Y. But the technological breakthroughs that they're making, the steer by wire, the 48 volt, that's going to be going to the next cars. So I'll summarize with this. This car 
if it was just the shape that it came out in, would have been mind-blowing. But they actually, as a vehicle, because they constructed it from first principles and the beginning, they are another 10 years ahead of the car industry. It's insane. It's actually insane. Um, I don't know if this will contribute ultimately to the bottom line, but, and, and we talked about it on the podcast, Elon said that the, the, the multi-trillion dollar valuation of Tesla hinges on, on automated self-driving. So, but I mean, like, the, this is just such a, I think 40 volt will help with that uh, for self-driving. No, certainly, because you need a lot of, of electrical power for to run ML models, right? But uh, anyways, man, that's kind of the TLDR. Uh, yeah, beautiful breakdown. Love that. Thanks for sharing all that. I mean, so just to summarize, you would love to get one of these, all jokes aside. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh. I think, it's, I think it's an amazing car, man. I think I think it looks, it looks insane. It looks insane. I mean, yeah, uh, it's gonna be cool to see it in person because while well, we were talking, I did Google the, the, video, the, the right? black you one as well. Oh yeah, Slick. the black one looks like Batman or like some futuristic Batman version, Batmobile or something like that. But well, I didn't yeah, even mention wow. the main thing. The last thing I mentioned is like the viral video that came out was it did a drag race against a Porsche 911 and beat the Porsche 911 with. A Porsche 911 being towed in the back, so like oh that's why that was yeah. like that was like that was just great marketing, right? And uh, yeah, two point six, uh, I I believe was for the come on was oh zero to sixteen two point six. But anyways, we can go on to the next thing, Beautiful. which is Elon related. So Love now it. I'm all gonna right. start asking you questions. Go on, let's start. Right? Let's summarize what happened first of all, because uh, what's the TLDR? He was having a ch so yeah, great chat on Cybertruck. Let's move on to Elon versus media. Um, this is not a new thing, right? Elon's been talking about mainstream media for a while. And beyond the media, it was about uh, advertising on Twitter's platform, on X's platform. And so could you t tell us the summary of what happened in terms of why people were pulling off uh, advertising dollars in the first place or what they said they were doing? And just to clarify, I think it was big companies like Disney, which is the Apple, one he eventually, Apple, Walmart. Nike, maybe a bunch of big companies. Um and so they all basically are boycotting the platform. And this has happened a little bit of time ago. Like this was a few weeks yeah. ago or a month ago or whatever. Um, so what was the summary there? Because I think it was something to do with a tweet that he responded to. So what, what happened there? So about a month ago, uh, there was a tweet related to, uh, it was related to Israel and uh, this like right-wing theory called the Great Replacement Theory. But the whole point I'm saying is this. So uh, uh Last Wednesday, he went to the DealBook Summit thrown by, uh, I think, New York Times, and he was interviewed by Andrew Ross Sorkin. And this is where the big hubbub came out, where he said, go F yourself to advertisers don't want to advertise on Twitter, which I think at this point, Raf already played the clip earlier. But it was perceived that he had said something anti-Semitic. Uh, uh, he got a lot of blowback from that. But I think... Just to clarify, because what he said, he responded to a tweet and said... He didn't, what did he say? Not I agree. No, this is the absolute, no, he said this is the truth. The, this the, is the, thrust truth of yeah. the, the thrust of the argument was effectively that uh, he believed or the argument of the tweet was that a lot of left-wing, uh, you know, left-wing woke liberals, which includes people of the Jewish, Jewish faith, um, were agreeing with some woke policies that turned out to have shown over the past two months, you know, during since 10-7 in Israel, where there's been a lot of talk of uh, uh, pro- uh, pro Hamas, basically arguments against the state of Israel. Well, these same organizations, which were being supported by uh, Jewish intellectuals two to three years ago, it 
basically the argument being made was these organizations support it. Look how they feel about you now. It was all tied in with the fact that this account also just had a bad reputation. And yeah. then I think Elon said during his deal book summary, he's like, I was trying to address, you know, it was really dumb what I said. Uh, really dumb because there was like, it was like poor context and like what he was actually trying to go after in in his saying was these nonprofit organizations like Media Matters, which I'll discuss now, that are basically using uh, these left-wing nonprofit organizations to apply pressure onto X uh, and Twitter and, you know, basically tell them not to advertise. So the Media Matters things that came out was, you probably saw this headline, was that uh, a lot of big-name brands were seeing, quote-unquote, white supremacists and uh, a Nazi content That's it. Yeah. next to their ads. Yeah. And... Elon and Twitter or X sued Media Matters and the thrust, so I read that uh, uh, lawsuit, it's quite interesting. The thrust of it was that Media Matters was basically uh, or starting an account from fresh and only following uh, white supremacist uh, accounts and like Fortune 50 accounts and basically refreshing the feed I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of times until they could screenshot uh, an ad oh, for... Oh, right, got it. Yeah, got so... It. In between those two exactly. things, got it. So that, it's like, that, okay, Apple is next to this bad content. Got it. The argument of the lawsuit is like, this is not a representative feed and it's basically manipulation. And I'll tell you what's interesting is, I believe it was... Uh, it might have been the Washington Post and New York Times in the 90s got sued and lost the case against one of the big car manufacturers for saying that their pickup or SUV was uh, was faulty. And without actually saying, you know what actually happened? is like we actually bought a vehicle and like fucked around with the engine and like tested it until the point where something bad happened. So they lost that lawsuit, like this media publication, when they published something that turned out to be unrepresentative. So the argument here, I don't know how the case is going to resolve, but reading based on that lawsuit, I'm like, hey, it looks kind of sketchy, right? And it wouldn't be the first time actually where there's a non-profit organization which is applying pressure on uh, basically big tech, whether it be Facebook or YouTube or, 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 or X. And so I'll add the following points, uh, two points. Before I ask you, because this is right down your domain, and you've you've your your former employer, which we have to mention for a week, YouTube dealt with this right in 2016, 2017. There's a yeah. huge ad boycott because I think PewDiePie. So uh, people argue though that these organizations. I love your thought on this. A lot of these NGOs, they're basically a way for governments and uh, and special interests to suppress speech, because they get to go to these social networks and be like, "Hey, man." <laughs> Looks like I found a uh, white supremacist uh, content next to this Walmart ad. Yeah. Not telling them the fact that they basically manipulated the platform and destroying Love that. Love the voice, by the way. Yeah, Tom. you know what I mean? Because I, I think it's kind of sketchy. And uh, so I'm going to throw this to you. What do you think about that lawsuit? And could you actually walk through why it was that YouTube was able to survive their boycott and Facebook survived a boycott in 2020s. Same thing. Facebook's been yeah. dealing with boycotts for the past decade. But why do yeah. people keep going back? Because it works. Because it works. Exactly. Yeah. So I love your thoughts on the media matters part, uh, yeah. the YouTube and the Facebook. So I, I don't know enough about the media matters part apart from what you just shared there. But what I'll say is I think the, the Twitter or the X situation, I'd break down into two parts. One is advertisers 
wanting to advertise on Twitter in the first place beyond what Elon said, if it works well and the brand safety part, which is still related. This is before the boycott part. And that, that's, that goes across all the platforms, not just Twitter and X. Though X maybe is unique because there's so much political discussion. There's a lot of like crazy stuff that goes on there. And Elon's taken a stance of more of a free speech in air quotes, uh, you know, platform. So there might be more stuff that is that stays on there. There's also, I think, adult content on Twitter, uh, on, on X. Um, Never seen so, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that that's that's one part. And the second is the boycott specifically, and what happens to big companies when basically a narrative forms, and you get tweeted at so many times that you then need to do PR stuff essentially, right? So that's the two parts I'd break it down to. The first part is, does this platform work in the first place? So all these companies are probably, you know, spending some money on Twitter X in general because they, you know, they're massive companies with billion dollar ad budgets. And they, you know, what normally happens, you've got a CMO and then you've got all the people underneath and they say, here's our budget for the year. Where should we spend our money? And somewhere along that line, someone allocates a budget and they'll say 50% to Google, 40% to Facebook. 5% to Twitter and blah, blah, blah. And so whatever that split is, they normally would put something on Twitter. It's just a lot less a lot of the time. And so the reason for that, in my opinion, is because for a long time it hasn't worked as well. And that's kind of the summary. That doesn't mean it doesn't work at all. It's just for what most people want to do on online in terms of digital marketing, why you use digital marketing is because you can target better, you can measure better, you can scale it up and down better. And those two things work really well on Facebook and Google stacks. You know, I say stack because it's not just Facebook.com. It's Instagram, WhatsApp, all of the properties. And then Google, YouTube, Google Display Network, well, through like a brand, ver primarily brand, which is what X has been versus? Versus direct response, which is okay. click my ad and buy something. E-commerce ad, you know, retargeting ad. Although, Super those are measurable. Kind of the, very measurable and even the brand stuff is measurable but the metrics you use are different so it's more about impressions how many people saw my ad did they engage with it how long did they spend engaging with it um do they and then you can do studies where you'll say did you recognize this brand in the last month did you see it in the last month and stuff like that so for that i think twitter probably that was always their positioning that was like moment-based brand marketing like super bowl's happening you know, American Idol final or whatever, you know, like something on TV, make sure you're there, the Oscars. So that for that, it's always worked. But we've talked about this on the pod before, like when Elon came in, he brought in a new head of uh, ads, basically, I forgot her name, but we talked about Linda it on the Yacrino? pod. Exactly. I think, did she well, come from NBC? She's a CEO, but like technically oh, yeah. she's not really, yeah. She, exactly. Yeah, she, she ran she a, was, a $13 billion business at NBCU for their advertising. So she, exactly. she's like very traditional, right? Like she'll do everything you mentioned. She'll go to these, uh, what is it called? Like when they do the- Upfronts. Upfronts, yeah, yeah. Where exactly. you basically get these massive commitments. But- um, And so, yeah. and I don't know how that, if she's still there, what's, what's going on? I'm assuming she's still there, right? Yeah, she's still, she's still there. She's still there, okay. And actually, funnily enough, last night I was using Peacock for the first time. Um, oh, that's her, and, that was her project. Yeah, because that's under NBC, right? And- and it was the first time I noticed that we were watching a movie, rom-com night, you know, you got to do that once in a while. And <laughs> I pressed pause to go make a cup of tea or something, came back and there were ads on the pause screen. I've never seen anyone do that on like Netflix. Great or, inventory. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, that's actually kind of an innovative, uh, like, I don't want to see more ads. But as the, the marketing brain in me was like, oh, that's actually an interesting impression they just served. 
yeah, it's the geekiest way of thinking about it. But like, I didn't even think of that as being, you know, like in Europe, you could never do this, right? Like it, it would piss people off so much. But in America, it's like you're watching the Arsenal game and they'll be just zooming shit on the screen already. And I'm like, oh, man. So that that can kind of work here. Uh, anyway, that's going a bit off topic. But I'm saying she came from that background. She understands that brand mentality. And the there's been a few kind of things getting in the way for them, right? Um, one is we've been in a we've we've gone from a low interest rate environment to high inflation people have had to go from just growth 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 to profitable and that that is related because well that's why the group chats were quiet for 2 exactly. years exactly <laughs> they've been quiet for a couple of years hopefully we're bringing it back but essentially what that means is people when when i talked about the cmo giving a budget and then it trickling down let's just say what happened you've got 100 billion dollars of marketing that went to 80 or went to 50 so straight away, you're going to have cuts. You're going to say, well, where can I, where, I've got to pull it from somewhere. And most of the time, for a lot of brands, they just can't afford the brand dollars anymore. It's kind of frothy money because you're going to have to go and prove, oh, why do we spend money on this? Did it actually bring ROI? Return on, uh, my return on ad spend. Yeah, return on ad spend. Yeah, exactly. Does this pronounced ROAS? Yeah, ROAS is fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I went to say return on investment, but both, yeah, they're, they're both the same thing. Um, so anyway, so that's normally what happens. So I think that was already happening to Twitter and X. So they were kind of getting hit with that. Then Elon came in and people were like, wait a minute, he became this political figure. As people are already kind of anti him on one camp. people an easy a reason, reason to walk away. Exactly. But then they were going to do the anyway. Side. They were going to do it anyway. Exactly. But this is what I'm saying. So like, I think you, you framed it perfectly for now. Yeah. This Bob Iger... CEO of Disney battle. Yeah. Because Bob Iger was, uh, I think, I think he might've had the session two or three uh, 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 guests before Elon. Yeah. And he basically said, we don't want to like right now, X isn't the right place for our brand. Yeah. You know, he forgets to admit that Disney is not a perfect animal, right? Disney is oh, very yeah. criticizable. And, yeah. um, and I mean, for example, Disney does products with TikTok. Listeners of NIA know how Trump fan feels about TikTok. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, so like, and there's two parts of TikTok that are the problem. Well, there's this big research report going that like TikTok actually was the most anti-Semitic uh, uh, platform of all the big ones, Instagram, uh, X or uh, 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 TikTok in terms of uh, creating, I don't even know how to measure that. That could be another media matter situation. Yeah. You remember like we were talking about, I was like, how do you even like, I think with all these like research reports that you see, like when you actually look at the methodology, you're like, this is ridiculous, right? Yeah, yeah. A if lot of the time read, it's yeah. very, that, it's just, and it doesn't matter because the headline spreads. It's that, that's, that's, and that's it's all, people all headline, want right? That, I mean, so, this is. Yeah. And so that brings us to the second part we said, right? Which is beyond, is it working? Is it not working? Now it's a PR thing because, Exactly. You know, he said if he says something that is cancelable, which you know you could argue he's done that multiple times where people have tried cancelable, to cancelable. I will say this: so in the old regime, the, yeah. this is the is like this is the bigger picture to me. Whether or not you believe Elon is a free speech absolutist, because you know the criticism has been like, oh, you know, they're still taking down stuff in different countries, yeah. and he's changed from free speech purist to like free speech within the bounds of a law of a country, right? Which is what he said, because he's yeah. realized with Twitter or X, this is how- Which the, is basically what all the people before said as well. It's just, it's a, it's a, a line where you decide- They basically which, say he's speed running moderations, how they're saying it, right? Like yeah, he's coming yeah, in yeah, and he's yeah. speed running the moderation. And, um, but the point is, I, 
when I saw, I loved it. I mean, I'm gonna say straight up. It's like, dude. So, so what he people, said, him yeah, saying, so God many people yourself. have FU money. Who actually yeah. says FU, right? Like, well, that's truly. what I was gonna say. That's an interesting point of view because. So like, let, let's summarize what happened. So he gets asked, like, what do you think of Disney and others uh, pulling their money? And he basically said, well, if you're going to try to blackmail me with I loved money, it. Yeah, dude. He's like, you're going to blackmail yourself. me with yeah. money? Wait, with you money. know what's so funny, though? It's like when he, yeah. when he has to take money, he's like, yeah, this is like the last person you can blackmail with money. Yeah, he yeah, obviously that's wants true. to see X exist. But I love that he just said it. He's like, you're going to blackmail me with yeah. money? Like, now, what I will say, and I, I kind of respect what he, he did in a way, I will say... The, the idea of boycotting using money is actually one of the best means of protesting air costs if it wasn't from big companies that also do shady stuff, right? So no, if this was individuals mean, being like, I don't want to put my money into Walmart sure. because they support whatever, that like I'm all for that. Like go and But here's the know, thing, it's all hypocrisy, it right? It is with, a, the, yeah. with the with the with the later in that interview he goes, uh um Andrew Ross Sorkins asked him about Tesla and he goes yeah, I again agree or disagree. This is what he said. He goes, Tesla's done more to transition to a, a sustainable economy than any yeah. other company. I'm the CEO of Tesla, which means as an individual, I've done more than any other uh, individual to tra to to uh, transition to sustainable economy. And then he goes, I hate people that do evil, uh, but say good things. And he just says, f them. So like that. I mean, those two parts, I think, is the larger takeaway here. Because I think the criticism, which which you kind of addressed, of at the end of the day, here's the reality: if X was as performative as Facebook and Instagram or TikTok or YouTube, people would still be advertising because they're all hypocrites. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. It's a political hypocrites. thing. You're you're doing yeah. what is needed for the perception, which is at, to be but, honest, at that level is kind of what you do. But money outweighs yeah. the politics, though. Is the financial decisions actually not our? Our ass. Does anybody say our ass? Row ass? Row ass. But the whole TLDR is this. is like every brand that said that they're going to boycott YouTube and Facebook, within months they were back. They're back, yeah. These people, there's no integrity here, right? So that's that's the like point. These, that's why these, I said the PR thing. Because there's no it integrity. Is, it's literally just people are tagging you and they're saying you should pull your ads from Twitter or from Facebook, whatever, because they're doing XYZ. And then it becomes an emergency PR thing, right? And I, I get it. Look, again, we're, we're going to talk about Munger in a minute and incentives, right? Like this is a perfect example of this. At that level, it's all politics. Well, what's his quote? Yeah. Tell me the incentive. To, I'll tell, you, I'll the tell outcome, you the result. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so here's, yeah. the, here's the incentive is if you've got lots of people trying to cancel your brand in air quotes, Disney, Nike, Apple, whoever, I, I don't, to be honest, blame them for taking action they do i i'm not saying i would do the same but i'm also not a ceo of a public company so it's a different game you're playing and so the, the, you know we could be all day but talking about ethics of big companies the truth is all of the big companies apple google facebook tiktok tesla elon musk all of them you can criticize to the world and back right like they have all done stuff as easily uh, you know, that you can say, wait a minute, you weren't consistent on this case. Even in the current Elon discussion, w without getting political again, he just went to, he was there with Netanyahu just in, uh, did he go to Israel, right? Was it? Yeah, he was on recently, he went right? to the border so towns. I, I didn't even follow that whole thing properly because I've kind of checked out. There's so many things going on there. There's a lot you can criticize on both sides here. So I'm not going to, we don't even have to go down that line of logic. What I will say is I respect, like you said, 
what's the point of having FU money if you don't exercise that once in a while? At the same time, I think Elon ultimately will do what is to his benefit as well. And so I think in a way, like if he actually thought they were going to come back, I don't know if he would be saying that. And I, I think that it's gone gone kind of past that stage where he's like, oh, they're, they're gone. Like I need to kind of stand up for myself here and like, you know, put a, put, put a line in the sand. Well, they did announce to your point, they're like, hey, we're going to focus on small business small businesses, businesses, which is Facebook's. Yeah. Uh, and, but it comes back to what you mentioned at the beginning. It's like, it's got to be the targeting, right? You got to have good targeting. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll give a shout out to our boy Ramp Capital. I know he listens to these pot, the pod every now and then. He had this hysterical tweet, man. He goes, um, clicking on every single X ad I see to keep this platform alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, I feel the same. Man. Here's the thing is like, you know what, man? This is the reality. This uh, this this town square free for all. Everybody's voice gets heard. It's just not it's just not great for advertising. That's just well, the that, that, well. Let's talk about it because it, that was a really key point here. It's about brand safety, right? So from an advertising point of view, you said earlier, how did Facebook and YouTube get around it? Let me tell you straight up, the stuff that gets flagged on YouTube. Oh, their is moderation team massive, that, but yeah. it's massive. But also, even now with a massive moderation team. The stuff that gets uploaded is insane, right? Like, if hopefully it doesn't spread enough because someone tell people it. about the bin, please. What's the bin? Oh well, the bin we've talked about in the pod <laughs> is there's <laughs> there's a bin which is a trash can for Americans, uh, where literally you get these back in the day. My first ever job, thankfully I didn't have to do it, but um, I'm pretty sure Sheryl Sandberg, when she started Google, she was in the bin. I'm pretty sure she was there what is the bin? approving ads. You're there. So you, is it on a screen? Room? Is it a no, room no, it's like with on one your computer? computer but okay. you get you basically have a queue. <laughs> Can you imagine it all in one room? But you basically got one. You know, you're on a screen, and it basically is ad approvals, or of in this case, video approvals. Or and it's shown you, and you. So she's seen some stuff content. Well, that would be YouTube. So she probably didn't do that. But this is mostly just when you do it, and you're 21 years old, fresh out of school. This is what's funny though. It's like they're like Stanford grads. I remember my friends. He's got a first from Oxford in physics in masters, and he's <laughs> there for 12 the months of, or like six months of proven ads. And I'm like, this hold is on, a wild on. thing. So wait, so so he would have seen some pretty wild ads though. Well, th- th- he wasn't doing YouTube. So to be fair, that Google ad text is not that crazy. It's just like okay, someone okay. used a, a word they're not supposed to use or trademark or whatever. But they would basically it would be a human review back in the day. I don't know how it works now. And you're basically being approved, disapproved. And you have to give your logic and write, well, this is disapproved for this reason or whatever. So that's the bin. In YouTube, you obviously have that, but you've got some crazy stuff, right? Because people oh, yeah. can upload anything pretty much. Well, uh, let's maybe be now honest, they've got like, more controls, yeah. You're seeing the worst stuff in the world. You're seeing the worst stuff. Yeah, exactly. We don't even have to say it. We don't but have the to worst say it. You know stuff, what we're talking about. You know what about. we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And so people can upload that. And the point was, YouTube got criticized for that, rightly so. And Facebook, Instagram got... Um, got criticized for similar stuff. Like how do you, you're the top five companies in the world, right? Like you've, you're more valuable than any company in history pretty much up there. And how are we still getting our ads, which is what makes this whole platform work and how your company work makes money. How are my ads as a YouTube advertiser showing up against a war crime or a terrible, you know, terrible thing that's happening. And so they had to basically reprioritize and say, basically perception wise and through the actions. So they had to go and hire enough people. And a lot of that I'm sure is outsourced to like specialist teams by this point, but they had to basically ramp up 
that that process and they needed to create ai related tools that would do a lot of that for you and visually say oh that looks like a war crime happening and we need to flag that it looks a little bad i mean you know? i'm and, not i'm not i'm not laughing really. i'm just yeah, like no, but it's, crazy. it's so true it's yeah it's literally what you said there's an ai system which says this looks like a war crime and we can't upload it right yeah which is so I mean, let me finish. Let me finish this thought with uh, let's some. I think this is a, a meaty conversation because it gives a three sixty on it, yeah. right? Is like the reality is this. I think you brought up a great point, actually. I think uh, Elon probably saw over the past year that these brand safety folk, whatever they might be woke, they might not be. At the end of the day, it's a Charlie Munger thing. What's their incentive? They want to keep their job, right? And they have X amount of budget to spend every year, and they're just gonna be like, you know what? I. Yeah, and this is reality. Facebook and Instagram it's are not much more censored. Fight. They're much more censored. And Twitter should exist. X, under the way Elon has it, has to exist, in my opinion. There has to be that single thing which is truly... Listen, anything goes as anything goes. It's just a reality. You can't... Otherwise, everything's top-down. Otherwise, everything is what happened in the 2020 election. You have three people in San Francisco deciding to get rid of this Hunter Biden story from the oldest newspaper in America, the New York Post, Right? This Hunter Biden laptop story would turn out to be true. Three people in San Francisco at Twitter decided we didn't want this on there. So the exchange, though, is that this actually isn't a good advertising business. That is the absolute reality. But as we talked about a month ago when they renamed from Twitter to X, this, this AI play, man, it's very serious. I think the XAI play yeah. is going to be what salvages this company and what they're going to be able to take it public That's the with. big bet, right? It's, yeah, yeah. it's real-time information. You've it's been only using real -time. it, right? I've been using it. Uh, it does have personality, which in the same way that Cybertruck stands out, it's how XAI stands out. Grok, it's just different, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, a really smart thing I read was, at the end of the day, the fighting that happens, ideological fighting, which is what everything comes down to at the end of the day. If it's not war, it's it's words, right? That's what it is. Yeah. The ideological battlefield is X still. And that is getting trained. That's training Grok. Which is kind of scary too. It's yeah, like yeah. the ideological battlefield, the way you use rhetoric, the way you use evidence, the way you 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 dunk on people, it's all happening on X. And that's extremely valuable. That's that's a one yeah. for one training data. Yeah. So 100%. that's what I say. I think uh, I think that was a, a good summary of what happened. Yeah. And and we can move on to the next topic. The one last thing I wanted to say about the moderating content, just really quickly, is I was just looking up while we're talking on YouTube. There's 3.7 million videos uploaded every day. And just in terms of duration of time, that's basically uh, 31 years worth of content. So if you sat a there a day, and I, mean, I don't know if this is completely accurate. This is on some random website for 2023. Um, but whatever it is, it's a crazy amount of content. But the point I bring that up is to say, you can't have a human reviewing all that. And so that's yeah. why, similarly to or, imagine, or you could put someone in the bin. <laughs> you could put a few people in the bin. They but the, but bin. the point is, it has to be technical solutions. And it's similarly to we've talked about the music stuff in the past when YouTube got sued around uh, you know music copyright stuff. You couldn't just have humans doing this, and you needed to come up with a technical solution. And similarly, for Twitter, it needs to be if they wanted to do it, they need to first of all say to everyone. We hear what you're saying. We, he might not have to concede to the big companies and say like, oh, we're doing this just because of you. But we do understand that we need to take illegal stuff down, which he's already said, but we're going to take that more seriously by doing these things. 
and we're investing in it. But I don't think they're doing that, right? Because it's not. Bilal. Yeah. You need to redirect your clients to buy some X ads. This thing can die, brother. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. What the, the interesting thing is, when everyone comes off, we talk about here on Bitcoin all the time, the supply and demand. When everyone goes off a platform, that often there is, there's often oh, a yeah, good there's opportunity. Oh, op- there's, there's, there's you, good opportunity. Yeah. There's less people buying. There's less of a competitive market. So I'm sure when less people on there, you're going to be, there's definitely people on X talking about stuff so you can reach them i just wish like if there were three things i wish <laughs> they're talking they just, about stuff you might not like what they're talking about yeah. but they're talking they're definitely talking you just need to know that yeah you you gotta just allow for the fact it's gonna show up against some wild stuff sometimes and personally i don't find like as a user i don't think it matters too much like well i know that the video or the ad i'm seeing is not related to the content but a lot of people don't all right great chat there trung let's get on to the manga discussion Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner, you know, legend in our world, has a lot of incredible one-liners, funny quotes, interviews. Obviously, the book uh, is is a is a classic as well. So, why don't we? What do you want to talk about with Munger? You said you want to talk a little bit about his background and uh, maybe a few of the things that were most resonant with you. Yeah, because Bilal pointed out correctly that this is. Threadboy Central, so we didn't want to overdo it. But yeah. uh, I mean, I will say he. I think Charlie Munger actually has an impact on my life. Not like, uh, oh yeah, I just, for sure. I, I do. I just love he, he. His joke is that he's a book uh, with with legs. Like he just loves reading. Like I, I love reading, and he's yeah. my excuse to love reading. Except I'm not a billionaire investor. But like <laughs> his large lessons, I, he, his takeaways is uh, two things he said. Uh, well, three things we mentioned. One of them was he told me the incentive. I'll tell you the result. Uh, he talks about getting wiser every day. And he says the greatest gift you can give somebody else is like just to help them learn more. And I mean, dude, he's a, uh, well, people don't know. A lot of people, especially these, uh, I'm guessing a lot of these Threadboy cast don't know. The biggest lesson from his life, I, I think, and a lot of people have mentioned this, is it's, it's the resilience. Like when he was 31 years old, his, uh, he got, he was divorced and broke. Uh, his son, nine-year-old son, Teddy, had leukemia. And at that time, there was no cure for for leukemia. So, oh, man. yeah, it was brutal. So at 31, like, think about it. His nine-year-old son died, uh, divorced, uh, lost all his money, uh, was broke from the divorce, and just kept going. And but what uh, was he doing before? He he went to Harvard Law School. Uh, came uh, never actually had a full undergraduate degree. Went to went to the military. Uh, Harvard Law School, uh, real estate investor and a lawyer. So uh, his law firm, he was an extremely successful lawyer, uh, but he realized billing people hourly wasn't a great way to build long-term wealth. He'd been reading that Naval yeah. thread before he it re- existed. He, didn't re- <laughs> he was the original Naval thread, He right? was the original Naval thread, so, yeah. No, but you nailed it. It's like, um, and he only wanted wealth for one reason. He just wanted independence. And a lot of that was from his family came up through the Great Depression and they, he had relatives that lost everything. He saw what happens when, you know, it's quite philosophical. Like this is less the thread boy stuff. It's just like, this is the non-finance basis stuff. It's just, if you don't have independence, like you, you can't, you can't do anything, right? Yeah. It's like, you're always at the whim of somebody else. And, and he, he wanted to be a voraciously independent thinker, which is what he was. And um, his relationship with uh, Warren Buffett, he's six years older than Warren Buffett. Uh, it's crazy. They've been buddies for 60 years, over 60 years. And uh, Charlie's influence on Berkshire Hathaway. 
So uh, he did some legal stuff for Berkshire. And then Buffett basically told him, he was like, listen, man, you got a giga brain. He was like, <laughs> he was like Buffett, uh, Munger was the first person that Buffett met and Buffett realized this guy's on my level, like mm. intellectually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they're crazy. They're both from Omaha. Uh, Munger worked at Buffett's grandfather's uh, like convenience store or grocery store growing up. It's like, uh, I was thinking about this, like two of the greatest investors ever from Omaha, it's like the Beatles. It's like you have four guys from Liverpool. Yeah. Right? Like what is Liverpool? It's like this at the time in the 60s, Liverpool is what? Like a, like a steel town? Yeah, like it's kind of like an industrial town. town little, it's just yeah. unlikely, right? It's like yeah. you have two of the greatest investors from Omaha, Nebraska, the Midwest. And, uh, but here's a, here's a big thing with Charlie Munger uh, before you hit us with some of the psychology stuff that you found. But uh, Munger was the guy that told Buffett that uh, uh, you, instead of buying a fair company at a great price, you buy a great company at a fair price. Just the idea being he instilled into Buffett the buy and hold uh, and mentality. Before that, Buffett would actually go looking for underpriced stocks uh, like me. And uh, except the, and, and waiting to buy and sell, right? Uh, he yeah. called them cigar butts that had a few more puffs in them. I bought a couple of cigar, cigar butts. Yeah, 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 yeah. I bought a few cigar butts in 2021, and uh, it turns yeah. out they had zero puffs in them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. so they were together for 60 years, and they bought. So Buffett went from this school of Benjamin Graham, where he tried to find a company that's undervalued. The value investor was good. school, right? Yeah, whether or not it was a good company, you just actually just trying to find if it was a deal, and then you just found a good company even if it wasn't quote unquote a deal, you just uh, accepted that it'd be there for a long time. It had a great moat. So it just compound. So you have companies like Gillette, Amex, Coca-Cola, and then Apple in recent years. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, he, he, and Buffett said so he's the guy that made Buffett Buffett. So that's all you need to know. Yeah. Poor Charlie. So sh- go, go, go ahead. Poor no, Charlie. No, no, no. Char- go on. Hit it. You- <laughs> I'm hitting you now. You All right, it. so yeah, so you shared this. Um, this is 25 psychological tendencies from the psychology of human misjudgment by Charlie Munger. D- did you want to talk about any of these? I mean, because we could honestly, we could do five episodes on all the ideas. So I'll just walk do. through this. I'll do yeah. this. I'm going to give you his overarching uh, yeah. philosophy, and then I'd love for you just to pick a couple that you. Yeah, yeah, that sounds out. great. Let's do that. So, like his, I mean, he has so many quotable quotes, but like. Again, his overarching philosophy, it's not about business, it's about life, right? Like he's like, his whole point is it's psychologically difficult to buy and hold, right? Because he says, he said the way to make money isn't buying or selling, it's just waiting. And most people just can't wait. This is the reality. Most people can't wait. Patience is difficult, right? People are antsy. People want the new next thing. People want action. That is psychologically difficult. And a lot of people ask, hey, what should I do with my life? But like the first main talk that he, uh, they, ex- they transcribed for poor uh, uh, Charlie's Almanac, which is his famous book, a collection of his speeches. It's a speech he gave at Harvard Westlake uh, High School for I think his fifth kid that graduated. Um, so grade 12 speech. It had nothing to do. It wasn't like what you should do with your life. He did the opposite. He, he called it inversion. Yeah. You do the, you do, what shouldn't you do with your life? Yeah. And the example he gave was a Johnny Carson speech. Johnny Carson basically said, I can't tell you what to do with your life, but I can tell you uh, what not to do if you want to live a happy life. It's like, don't become an alcoholic. Don't uh, be envious and don't be resentful. He's like, if you don't do those three things, 
you are on the right path of living a decent life. That, the whole, and so like, I think a lot of his stuff is like, what not to do. Like his famous quote is like, tell me where I'm going to die so I don't go there, right? It's like, tell me what not to do. So I think, uh, I think a lot of this, the reason why this psychology talk is so famous is he's like, we humans have like, you know, like thinking fast, slow, like those ideas is like a lot of like uh, heuristics and biases. He's like, just don't do these things or be aware of it, right? So, and short circuit them. So not short circuit them, but like address them knowing that they happen. So I love your thoughts on a few that you liked. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, similarly, I've followed his stuff for a while. Like he has some incredible kind of ideas that genuinely that one inversion is one that really actually stuck with me because I think uh, where I first came across it properly, like I'd heard of the idea, I read the quote, but I think where it actually became applicable in my life is let's say five years ago when I left my last job, I became self-employed. And at that stage, you kind of say, well, what do I want to do? What, what should I spend my time doing? And, and I remember, so I was doing, I'm, I just pulled out my notes from Andrew Wilkinson, who was on Creator Lab around then, uh, maybe it was 2019 or 2020. So I have my notes from Creator Lab where I pulled all these manga is oh that's awesome and yet andrew i didn't realize andrew yeah, yeah andrew Rook, and andrew people don't know he's uh, found of tiny great great guy he's a canadian victoria guy as well. bc exactly uh, trying to and build a berkshire internet company exactly and so that's why the whole episode well part of the episode was about mental models that that he was a fan of especially manga because he well he's been know, quite close to manga over the past couple of years well like exactly. he's yeah because they had like had dinner dinner, dinners yeah. and all that stuff exactly so so i'm just pulling out the ones that uh i've written down here but that inversion one really stuck with me because it sounds so obvious but until you actually have to do it it's not really that useful and then i look backwards and i said oh this actually i've seen multiple times so for example it's very difficult to actually say you quit your job you're like, what am I going to do? Right? Yeah, there's different ways of looking at that. You can do the icky guy stuff. You can do the, I like this energy, you know. Or I, Wait, this hold on. Tell energy. people the ikagi thing. Yeah, let me just pull up the actual. Cause it's like four, the multiple Venn diagram, right? Like yeah, what multiple you're Venn good diagram. At, yeah, what it's you can basically make money. what you love, what the world needs, what you can get paid for, what you're good at. And there's Yo, uh, Thread Boys love that Thread one. Boy love that. But to be honest, it's actually very <laughs> useful because like it's one of those things that you know intuitively but until you see it so for example what you love and what the world needs can be a mission what you love and what you're good at it could be a passion what you can get paid for and what you're good at is a profession so there's there's all these different overlaps you can look that up on wikipedia basically but um so that that's one way of doing it but even that is difficult right and like every few years i kind of go through that process like right now i've been doing the same thing for the last four or five years it's been great i'll probably eventually get to another chapter again. well what is it tell me what is it that you did not want to do exactly and that's what i i remember writing this down i don't know where it is right now but i remember saying okay this is really difficult but what is the opposite so what are the things i don't like doing the so bin. i do not want to yeah, do that definitely the bin. don't want to bin <laughs> but the second thing was i was looking at my calendar and i'd be like over and i was looking at pictures and i was like what what were the things professionally that i love doing and also specifically what that I hate because that's a lot easier to identify and avoid so for example I hate being in meetings I don't need to be in yeah so much so that pretty much now I don't do meetings unless it's like I really need to do it or they really need me to be on a call or something and normally even those I take on like a walk I don't like being in front of a computer where people like 20 people in a room 
uh, like it's one of my least favorite things, especially nowadays on Zoom, right? So again, sometimes you need to do that. But now at my current uh, stage, I'm like, generally it gives me really shit energy. And most of the time I leave being like, no, nothing came out of this. It's just a bunch of people telling each other what they're doing could have been in Slack or something like that. So that's one. Two, I hate having to be on someone else's prior, like their to-do list. I hate being like, they sent me an email. Now I need to do it straight away. So that that having the control of your time, which we've talked about, that that was the inversion part for me. It was like, I don't like being at the whim of someone else's calendar. And that the flip side is, well, that means I want control of my uh, my week. So again, now looking at my calendar, only thing I really have on my calendar this week is this, right? And there's going to be other <laughs> and, things. <laughs> and I came 10 minutes late to the call. Yeah, no, no, it's completely fine. Right? <laughs> but there's also like, obviously I'm doing plenty of work during the week too, but it's not like I have to be here at a certain particular time. So that's me. That's what I wanted to do. Dude, I'm on and the same started, page with you, man. Yeah, well, having I know that, you hate those calls. And having that is block one. is just, commute, dude, the Actually, everything you explain is my exact thought process, like yeah. uh, unintentionally too. I didn't sit down and write this. I'm just like, but wow, you I think about this. it. Yeah, you I'm think like, about wow, it. I hate this. It's yeah, like that's what exactly. I was thinking at that time. And then the last one I'll just share, which again, uh, this is all. I hate the word privilege, but like it's a very privileged place to be. Like I don't have to be in meetings. I get it, right? Like most people can't do that, and I have done it for most of my career. Now I've got to the stage where I'm like, I will happily make less money. I will do things that i that i have more risk in the what i do today yeah. than i did in the past but it is worth it for me because it because i've defined those things i really don't want to do and their life filled with things that i don't want to do is is worse than the life filled with things i do like to do so that's kind Inversion. of version exactly <laughs> uh well the last one i was going to say is like the the politics of a workplace like where you have to be convincing people this is the work i'm doing like telling everyone, oh, look, look how much, how hard I work instead of just working hard and actually providing results. And the cool thing when you have a business is like you're basically paid on results. Like if it doesn't work, you're not going to get paid pretty much. Right. And for you, you're writing. If people don't like your writing, they're going to unsubscribe. And the, the people that you work with are going to be like, we don't want you to write for us anymore or whatever when you did stuff for Bloomberg, etc. So anyway, that's that's the one that stuck out for me. The other, oh, and then last example I give, which is outside of the personal context, is Charity Water. So similarly, again, without maybe without Scott knowing this, the founder, he looked at the nonprofit world and said, what don't people like about nonprofits? Not like, oh, what's a dream nonprofit? It was like, what are the key points? And they said, I don't trust nonprofits, number one. Number two, I don't know where where the money goes and how much the money, how much of the money goes. And I think three was like the kind of guilt-driven marketing you get, you know, like a kid with flies on their face. Like so he did inversion. Like he did exactly the opposite. And I don't know if he literally used the word inversion, but I remember him telling me he wrote on a piece of paper, these are the things um, people don't like. And he wrote the opposite. So he's like, oh, what would a brand be like if it was cool? And people actually felt hopeful and they felt really positive towards it. That so much they would want to wear it on a T-shirt. Similarly, what if you could tell them 100% of it goes to the cause? What if you told them exactly where it went and how did we actually prove that through technology and stuff like that? So it, it does give you a way of like thinking about things from a different point of view. Uh, so I think that's a really, really important one, yeah. I'll throw one that's related. His other yeah, big famous it. one is Circle of Competence. It's yeah, like, yeah. just do what you know. Um, and it's kind of related to inversion actually. It's, like, it's the idea of like, you're explaining everything you hate. So another way to talk about it is like, okay, just don't do it, right? Just like, 
if you're not like if you're not confident, just don't do it. But circle confidence more like it's obviously applied to him with technology. It's like they never were in technology investors, and until Apple basically. But even then, like the Apple investment is more about the franchise of Apple, and like they understood that oh, this is actually kind of like a retail operation in the sense of a good retail with a strong brand is like something that has a long lasting moat, right? But um, circle competence is a big one. And uh, the other, the last one I'll say, which we definitely did not, the funny thing is I wrote, and I wrote about this in my newsletter, is like all these lessons about investing, I applied zero of them to my life. <laughs> I mean, That's the a, thing, it's hard. Dude, yeah, it's yeah, nice right. reading it. It's harder to it's like, it's like what he said, right? He's like, it's hard. And so here's the big one, is the one that, uh, which you'll laugh, is like, it's a 20, the 20 hole punch card. Imagine in your life you have a 20-hole punch card and you're only allowed to make 20 investments in your life. Every time you make an investment, you have to punch a hole. My goodness. I wish I had that 20-hole punch card during the 2021. Dude, that's in a... It's like, do you, you really actually want to buy this SPAC? Do, do you yeah. really <laughs> want this SPAC? Isn't it crazy? Because if you compare that to the... The, like back in the day, they, they went through the time where you had to call a stockbroker and buy it, yeah. right? Like there was that friction versus us oh whipping out Robinhood on an app and pressing a button. It feels like a game. Very different. Uh, that's a great one. I'll also share, uh, again, not to keep plugging all the Create Lab episodes, but I did a great one with Polina uh, from the profile. We also nice. did Munger in there. So I'm pulling up my notes here. Um, one of the things we brought up was about deserving. So a thing he said was how to find a good spouse the best single way is to deserve a good spouse. And that I think the key word there is deserve because you can you can apply that to everything. It's not just about having a spouse. It's about like business partner. Deserve a, a good job. Deserve, yeah. yeah. It's like instead of being like, oh, I'm looking for this, this 10 out of 10 dime that has a sense of humor and is also great at these things. It's like, well, what, what, uh, like, and it has integrity. That a yeah. 10 out of 10 dime exactly. with kisses exactly. humanitarian exactly. wasn't. And then okay. even outside of a spouse, it's just like, if you want good friends, if you want a good business yeah. partner, like you need to be the best business partner or the be like even like a podcast, right? Like we work together now for almost three years doing this every week. By now, if we didn't work, we wouldn't be working together, right? Like we spend hours every week doing this for free pretty much. And um, you have to say like, okay, I'm going to make sure I'm the best version of myself working with Trung. Trung's going to come. Like I, For people, I made a joke about it a few weeks ago about the five minutes late. That's not a big deal. On the flip side, Trung comes with the most notes and the most prep, right? So like he deserves everything that we do on here and he's been a great partner That's for like that reason. Definitely a couple of players though. I will be once his ketone eye keys come through. So anyway, so I think we can go uh, for a long time on this. If you guys want us to do more on that let us know but we don't yeah, we, you know what we could probably ama that and just yeah. walk through a, you know what? we should do that a because we more. need it yeah because with jack also what, yeah, I'll tell exactly. what we should do yeah we should go each of us should pick five of our favorites of his things and just yeah. uh, people will appreciate that that's a good idea yeah we'll do a dedicated right. one for well, that but that was a good little preview yeah great to great to catch up bruv and we will well unless let we got one to, more oh, oh kissinger yeah. oh wait wait let's oh, go yeah last one all right henry kissinger Tell me who, for people who don't know, who was Henry Kissinger? He died at 100 years old. Yeah. And the, both sides of the coin here, because I know he was a controversial figure. I mean, that timeline was like when, when the Charlie Munger love was getting on that timeline, incredible. 
and then I was seeing the complete opposite on the Henry Kissinger timeline. Uh, I listen, man. You can criticize the guy. You can make an argument he was a war criminal. I'm just like, man, when people are like dying, how do we feel about them? And immediately you go on the timeline and it's just like, you're just like celebrating. Their I'm just like, man, it's just bad. It just yeah, feels wild. like bad karma, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And like, and, and I'm saying this as the son of like people in Vietnam who were directly impacted by Henry Kissinger's decisions, which I will walk through. And like, I'll, I'll put it this way though. I would take my parents' opinion of Henry Kissinger over anyone else. Uh, not over anyone else, but like over a lot of these like 21-year-old, like Northeastern Ivy League kids that have never left America, right? I don't give a shit what you think about Henry Kissinger. I care what my parents think, right? Yeah, so they, so I'm going to give my my parents, what, uh, specifically I spoke to my dad quite a bit about this. He has very strong feelings about Henry Kissinger. You need to get <laughs> Negative, a fan right? on the pod for yeah. this to get so, let him unload. Uh, so, but uh, let me walk through Henry Kissinger a bit. So- 100 years old, uh, uh, born in Germany, uh, a Jewish German. His family fled Germany uh, because of Hitler. His mom is like, okay, uh, Hitler's clearly, his mom recognized that Hitler was an evil human being and that uh, they were going to try to rid Europe of uh, the Jewish population. Basically, what he, Hitler wrote about this 10 years before he even came to power in the early 30s, blaming the Jews for everything. So Kissinger's family got to New York. A Kissinger, I think, got to New York when he was 15 years old. Uh, very bright kid. Um, I think his fa family is quasi-successful. Um, but the whole point is, he went back to Germany in World War II uh, towards the end. And his job, two things happened to him in, in, in his mid early mid-20s when he was back in Germany uh, towards the end of World War II. Number one was this. He found out that over a dozen of his relatives were killed in the Holocaust. So it's number one. Number two was he was interrogating, because they obviously spoke German, uh, former Nazi officers and uh, understanding what had happened uh, in Germany. He's working with the, uh, the Americans. Well, he was, a, I guess, at that point an American. Went back, got to Harvard, uh, got, a, I believe, a PhD from Harvard, and uh, an intellectual well, one of his first works was about uh, nuclear deterrence. So his big political break was, and this is where the controversy begins. So when you think about Henry Kissinger, he was largely in a position of influence, like directly with the U.S. government for only about a 10-year period, called like 68 to 78. And it was over that period where a lot of people will assign him war crimes. And up to 4 to 5 million people died directly as a result of his decisions. So I'm going to walk you through a couple of those decisions and we'll start with where he got his political influence. So basically, uh, he was a rising intellectual celebrity and uh, Nelson Rockefeller from the Rockefeller uh, fortune. So Nelson Rockefeller became a governor of New York and uh, vice president for Richard Nixon. Never became president, uh, obviously tried to. But Rockefeller basically identified Henry Kissinger as someone that was the brains to Rockefeller's connections and charisma. Rockefeller was basically Kissinger's patron and got him into the U.S. establishment, uh, political establishment. And this is where it starts, the Kissinger war crimes allegations. It's believed uh, in 1968, it's not believed. So in 1968, Lyndon B. Johnson had withdrawn as a Democratic candidate for 
the uh, presidential election. Uh, wait, Herbert, can you pull up for me? Uh, Humphrey was the Democratic candidate from 1968. But anyways, the whole point is this. Kissinger, basically, there's peace talks between wait, the Democratic... Wait, is that Hubert Humphrey? Yeah, Hubert, Hubert Humphrey. Yeah. He was Democratic candidate when Lyndon B. Johnson uh, pulled out um, uh, from the, the, the race. And there's peace talks between Lyndon B. Johnson and the North Vietnamese government to end what had been an escalation. So under Lyndon B. Johnson, called between 63 and 68, 500,000 Americans had entered Vietnam, uh, supporting the South against the North Vietnamese communist Ho Chi Minh. There's peace talks underway. Apparently, uh, uh, we don't know the level that this happened. There's a lot of uh, dispute. But Henry Kissinger back-channeled with the North Vietnamese and basically said, don't do a peace deal with the Democrats in the United States. Because if you do a peace deal, more likely they'll win the election. Help us win the election for Nixon, Republican, and then we'll give you a better deal. So let's just take that at face value. He extended the Vietnam War by six years, right? Uh, I think 20 to 30,000 more Americans died. Millions of Southeast Asians died. So that was his first accusation against him, the war crime thing. The second one, this is the heaviest, Cambodia. This is the one my, my dad's very critical of. So when they said that, hey, we're going to give you a better peace deal, this is what he told the North Vietnamese, what he told Nixon was, well, we need to apply a little pressure on the Vietnamese so that they actually do, we actually do get a deal that everybody's win-win. And the way they did that was they started bombing uh, Cambodia. And the reason they started bombing Cambodia is because the North Vietnamese and Ho Chi Minh were sending arms to the south through Cambodia. But they, he did an end around of, of Congress. He did an end around of the State Department because he was a national security advisor. It was under Kissinger that uh, this national security advisor position got really powerful. So this is the big criticism. He basically started a new war in Cambodia, which was illegal. Like, and it led to the deaths of millions of people. So that's, that's probably the biggest war crime charge. The other ones are more crimes of omission, where he basically turned a blind eye to some dictatorial governments. So East Pakistan, which became Bangladesh, they had a, you probably remember, or, or your family definitely remembers that period, right? The separation. Yeah, East. before uh, they got independence, you mean, yeah? Yeah, so Bangladesh uh, became its own country. It used to be Pakistan, part of Pakistan. Yeah. It was East Pakistan. And um, Kissinger which people say on the positive side, he opened relations with China. He basically turned a blind eye to what was happening in Pakistan uh, because he wanted Pakistan's relationship with China to famously Kissinger opened the door to China by getting Nixon to meet Mao, the first U.S. president uh, to be on foot in China. And China and America easing relations made it harder on the USSR for the Cold War. So... That one, I'll just run through quick other ones. Is like History professor fan yeah, back in the building. Blind Eye, blind eye in East Timor, uh, this communist movement. They allowed the Indonesian government to kill hundreds of thousands. And then this one's super famous. You'll probably know. It's like the, the CIA and, uh, and Kissinger got rid of a democratically elected socialist president, uh, Allende, in Chile. Uh, he was murdered. And uh, I think the, the culmination of everything Kissinger did was three to five million dead. And so that's a criticism, right? And I think they're all fair. And my dad is like, uh, my dad hated uh, him for extending the war on one end and then also hated him for cutting a bad deal and letting, in his eyes, the North win. 
Um, so that's the criticism. And the other side of the trade is this. Well, actually, Bilal, let me ask you. So what everything I just told you, how much of the debt did you know and what are your thoughts? I, I don't know much about it, to be honest, because, yeah, I never studied this. Uh, I've just had little pockets. So, yeah, most of that was probably new for me. What, what was your what was your broad opinion of Kissinger like even a week ago? Like, Honest, just, not much. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, very little. But was it negative or positive? Um, Probably negative, but like without knowing too much. So okay. probably closer to neutral. But like if it was a scale from one to ten and uh, one was negative, ten was positive, I'd say like a, a four. All right. Let, then let me hit you with this positive quickly, and then I, I love your thoughts on what you think with the brain Bringing dump. Bringing me back I just to a five? You. Is that what we do? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me hit you with the brain dump, right? So the positive side is how people portray it and why he's he's been consulting with every president since the 50s, basically, right? So the they're saying in this period between 68 and 78, it was a Cold War. And Cold War didn't end until 89 or 91, basically, when the USSR collapsed. The, the entire argument was his job in his eyes was to make sure that the USSR and America never had a nuclear war. That was his job. And that was accomplished in his eyes, right? Because yeah. everybody else was a chess piece. Everybody else was a pawn. His entire job was to make sure the United States and USSR did not have a nuclear exchange. And his whole political theory goes back to the early 1800s and Napoleonic Wars, right? And the Napoleonic Wars, for people who don't know, during the continental, uh, Napoleon's control of continental Europe, it was always about coalitions. It was always like Austria, UK, uh, Russia, uh, Prussia uh, against uh, France. And there's these revolving coalitions. Sometimes you're with an enemy, sometimes you're friends. A lot of like amoral judgments are made. So basically that was his mindset. He's like, my only mission is to make sure there's not this nuclear exchange. So ah, that that's a TLDR. I like your thoughts on that. Yeah. Because I, th I kind of give you the good and bad. No, no, I get you. Yeah, I, I think generally speaking, honestly, my I think Jack does a great job of this. I should probably do it more, which is like when I don't know that much about something, it's probably better. I, I don't even like need to have too much of an opinion. I, right. I guess from what you said, it makes sense. It my general take is most people in that position do some fucked up shit basically right and uh and, and a great that doesn't make it and uh, sorry to even curse for people listening with their kids but basically most of the time i mean there aren't many political leaders that personally i've ever looked up to just as an individual and that of course there are ones that stood up to world war you know World War Two, obviously, you can look at stuff that happened there. You can look at people that brought liberation to people. You can look at uh, well, Churchill's Mandela a great example, and stuff right? like that. Yeah, he's, he's a great example. So, of, he's so criticizable on exactly. a lot of race relations. But then India, on the war, you're like, okay, but he beat he Hitler. Did, he did right? something important there. So that that's the thing: is the humans are flawed. Everyone is flawed. People do crazy stuff, bad stuff, and when it gets to that level of power, you're obviously around some stuff that you have to make decisions right and anything that involves war is going to involve people dying and two sides where someone is pro someone is against and so yeah without knowing enough about it and the and the wider context of that time uh it's hard for me to read really i think that's but, a great answer yeah. by the way i think your answer is this is the best answer to have for people that haven't deeply looked into this because yeah. i the one one i'll jump on this as the last point the, another thing that people often say is almost directly what you said is like, if you were the second most powerful person in the United States, which he was under Nixon, he basically aggregated so much power in the national security as a national security advisor. Like 
but he was like very opaque about it, right? Because you're not supposed to run foreign decisions through the executive branch. It's supposed to be the State Department. Yeah. But he had basically become, he was so smart and like Machiavellian, right? And part of that was what led to Watergate and ultimately Nixon's resignation. But to your point, if you're the second most powerful person in the United States between 1960 and you you're making an awful decision. Yeah. No matter what, right? Yeah. Like you can say for 2023 too, or 20, yeah. 2001, 2010. You will like, be making decisions that Even are bad. people I looked up to like Obama, for example, without getting political again, thought he was a great uh, orator, very, you know, hopeful president. And I still generally probably like Obama, but also... He dropped a lot of bombs, right? And he yeah. used a lot of drones on people that look like me. So uh, um, I think when you're in that position, no, you're, right. yeah. you're, you're going to, there's anything at that level, there's good and bad. So it's very difficult for me to judge without knowing knowing too much about it. But yeah, well, great the, breakdown. Uh, and yeah, go on, go on. What are you going to say? No, the super last thing to say is like, if, if people want to go down the rabbit hole, like look up uh, Robert McNamara uh, yeah. or McGeorge Bundy. They're all within these administrations. And like people Beautiful. just for, completely forget about them, right? Is like... Uh, he became the face of, uh, of uh, well, the fog of war is the famous. Have you ever seen the fog of war? No. That's a document. I know the phrase, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, People yeah. go watch the fog of war. It's an interview with Robert McNamara. Robert McNamara was a former CEO of Ford. He basically ran uh, the logistics and uh, military campaigns under Kennedy and Johnson. But anyways, too much fun fact fan today. But That's yeah, great. No, that's yeah. great. I think it's worth uh, mentioning, obviously whatever you think of him was a influential person of our time that also died recently so uh all right man that was great we could call it here hope you guys enjoyed that let us know what you think of that in the comments in telegram on youtube you guys post funny comments in telegram which i love but also smash it in youtube as well because that helps, helps and uh, we I'll always go. respond to those as well yeah and so yeah appreciate all the support we got more coming for you guys in the next few weeks and we'll speak soon cheers peace out